Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, I'll tell you in this uh, unique Christmas of 2020, which you can tell because we're together at 3.20 in the afternoon, as opposed to what we would normally be together, but nevertheless, here we are. We get one Christmas in 2020, and this is it. And one of the beautiful things about it, I would say, is this year, maybe more than any other, I think it's very obvious that we need a savior, right? That we can't just save ourselves, that we can't sort of snap our fingers and make everything okay. But as we see in this gospel, one of the most important things is to see what we need to be saved from, right? And when the angel gives to Joseph what he is to name his new son, to name the son of Mary, his mother, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And I think it's, that's right at the core of everything and something so important for us to recognize and remember that he comes to save us from our sins. Not merely to sort of build up an earthly kingdom, to sort of like set everything, you know, in some particular earthly way. It'll all be great, right? Because it doesn't work out for us totally. Think about this. If we were to all go to Carowinds, right, let's just assume that everybody likes Carowinds. Some people don't like theme parks. I happen to like them. I like roller coasters. But let's say you're there, right? It's supposed to be one of the happiest places on earth, or maybe Disney World, although I don't really like Disney World. But so let's say you're at Carowinds, right? And there's a little guy who has so many things to do, but he's thrown a tantrum and just will not be consoled. He's not happy, even though he's in the midst of all of this excitement on a beautiful North Carolina day in a pre-COVID time that you can go on all the rides you want and eat cotton candy and whatever else happens at Carowinds, and yet he's inconsolable and not happy. Now, even though it's like one of the best places around, still, if you can't make the little guy happy, no matter how wonderful the context may be, he's not going to be a happy camper or a happy carowinder, whatever you call someone who goes to carowinds, right? No matter how wonderful the kingdom or the context around us is good, if we're not at peace internally, then we will not be happy. And ultimately, if we are not to be free from sin, we're not going to be peaceful. Think about this. Like, let's say you go to like the best Christmas party ever. Everything's set up well. You're there to see your friends and everything worked out great. It's not raining and 60 degrees, but you know, 30 and snowing and it's appropriate and it's a sleigh ride and you know, everything is great, right? What's it, uh, Courier and Ives, right? Like all of the wonderful stuff, but before you went to the party, you had a huge fight with your spouse are you really going to have a great time? Or let's say you're harboring some grudge and you just can't let go of that anger and then you go to this party. Are you going to you know, enjoy the wonderful you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire? Or if you've had something you've been carrying with you all your life, something you're ashamed of, can you relax and be peaceful at a party? No. That ultimately we need something so much more than just a kingdom here on earth that has all of the context perfect. And ultimately, what we have, what we celebrate in this great solemnity of the year, is that we have someone who has come to save us from our sins, to save us from what separates us from God Almighty and from one another. And what does that take? God himself 
becoming one of us. And when you think about this, when you think about how glorious it is, the way that he goes about this, I mean, God himself, think about Jesus's later life, right? You know, when, when he and the apostles are in the boat and they're on the Sea of Galilee and one of those typical storms on the Sea of Galilee comes up and they think that the boat is going to capsize and Jesus is asleep on the cushion at the front of the boat. And what does he do? He tells the storm, be quiet. And it's quiet, right? He has control over nature. He can take a few loaves of bread and some fish and feed the 5,000. And yet, to save us from our sins, what does he do? He humbles himself, becoming a baby in a manger, being laid in a feeding trough, sort of giving us that allusion to the fact that he will feed his people with his very self. He comes to us in this humble and approachable way to free us from that which binds us up, the sin that separates us from one another, that ultimately makes us isolated and shows us that he does so much more than any of the kings in his genealogy, from those from David to the Babylonian exile, some good like Hezekiah, some terrible like his son Manasseh. I mean, and we see it even today. No matter how good a king or a politician may be, they're not capable of taking out of our hearts that which causes us unrest, that which isolates us. They're not capable of taking away our sin. But Jesus Christ is. And he does it in such an incredible way, coming in the midst of a family, becoming a baby in a manger, loving us, gazing upon us, wanting us to have peace, wanting us to know his love eternally. And not waiting until everything is perfect to do it, right? I mean, we can talk about how crazy things are politically right now. Let's be honest. He was born under the reign of a king who's eventually going to kill all the boys to and under. So things have not gotten a lot better since that time, right? We know that he was laid in a manger. There he is in a stable. I know we're in COVID times, but hey, we have recently sanitized pews. He's in a barn, and donkeys didn't smell any better back then than they do now, you know? And yet, that's where the Son of God chose to be born, to come into all of this with us, even in the midst of all of the messiness, loved us so much, wanted to free us from our sins so desperately that he would come in in the midst of all of that. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's why, even in an insane year like 2020, where we can probably name plenty of things, that have not been great. We know the context is a little bit different than it has been in the past. Once again, it's like 3.20 now, right? It's probably 3.30. I preach too long. I apologize. But hey, we're going to get you home for Christmas dinner earlier than ever. So we're going to set some new records tonight. It's great, right? But ultimately, the great glory for us is that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, has come to save us from that which isolates us, come to save us from that which leaves us alone, has come to reconcile us with himself. And because of that, even in this crazy year, we can sing joy to the world. Even in the midst of this year, we can say once again, O come, let us adore him. Let us adore the source of glory. Let us adore the source of peace. Let us adore the word incarnate who has come to save us from our sins. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, just one note as we go forward into the unknown future, right? There's always a danger 
that we can fall into the trap of hating sin more than we love goodness. And what this celebration reminds us of is that goodness is powerful, that the light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it, that Jesus Christ has come to save us from our sins. Is there evil in the world? Is there sin and darkness? Yes, and we know it, and it's sort of more in our face than ever before. And yet, we cannot fall into the trap of merely cursing the darkness. No, we look towards the light that has come into the world. We rejoice in the fact that we are on the winning team, that it's not just about making the context perfect. We celebrate the fact that we have a God who has entered into all of this with us and makes loving him possible regardless of the context. Look at the saints throughout the history. I'll give you two examples. One, St. Maximilian Kolbe, that Franciscan priest who was able to go into that hell on earth that was Auschwitz and to continue to lay down his life to sing the glory of God even in a starvation bunker to show that no matter how dark it may get, that the light of Christ cannot be overcome. Think about St. Catherine of Siena who lived at a terrible time of church scandal and yet, what did she do? She pointed to our sweet Jesus who loves us so much and has entered into all of this with us that no matter how much sin may be in our face, we have been given the opportunity of salvation from our sin, Jesus himself. Yes, context may be great, they may be terrible, but ultimately what we have in this day, why we celebrate, why we continue to come together even when we've got to wear masks and limit and all of these things, why we do that is because we have hope. God himself has entered into all of this with us to save us, not just in a passing sort of a way, not just to set up, you know, a nice sort of kingdom that's comfortable or a carowinds on earth, but rather to give us that peace of being freed from our sin, of reconciling us with himself, of giving us real and true joy on earth that cannot be robbed from us, no matter how dark things may be. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are blessed. We have Jesus Christ in our midst who gives us himself once again in this holy mass, in this Christ mass, as he comes to us so humbly in the blessed sacrament, reminding us of the fact that, yes, there is darkness in the world, but the light has entered in. And that light is Jesus Christ, and he has come to save us from our sins. I want to wish you the most happy and blessed of all Christmases, reminding you of the fact that, yes, it may have been a dark year, but that light continues to burn brightly. Don't take your eyes off the light, but bear that light of Christ in all that you do and say, and remember that he has really and truly come to save us from our sins. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.